Hello, and welcome back to the Clown Hospital Podcast, a mental health podcast that is not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem. It's me, your host, Sadie, and I am here with a dear guest, Nino. Hello, Nino. Hello. Hi, how's it going? It's fine. Um, So my dear Nino is here to discuss the internet in terms of mental health uh, in the context of mental health, how it can be both an asset and a place where you argue with homophobic ants, the people, not the animal. So, you know, before we get into the topic, what do people need to know about you? So, like, maybe, like, just shed some color in your experience to maybe make your perspective um, on mental health recovery and the internet makes sense. So I, I'm mentally ill, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as far as recovery goes, I, I don't know if I would consider myself like in recovery, like where in that, you mm-hmm. know, I would be. Yeah. Because I did, I guess I'll ask you this question before I, before I jump in. Why? So this came about because I was, oh, sure, maybe I'll do the podcast. What should we talk about? And this is the topic that you said. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to talk to me about this? Like, why, why was this the first thing you thought of? Because I see what you're doing, making me do the work. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you this, but I wanted to ask you this, like, now. Okay, you know? on air. Yeah, so... Um, the reason is like I just I know you have like a complicated relationship to the internet and it's like and it's something that we've talked about before like I've heard you say so many times like recently like you know I don't really leave the house and and like so the internet is like the main way that I like have any sort of like social life currently but like you also kind of hate it and <laughs> Yeah. Like you're always talking about like frustrating takes you've seen online or just like get really swept into like maybe like news or drama and in a way that becomes all consuming. Like you're someone who like creates and deletes accounts a lot. <laughs> and like also like in a more broad sense, you're someone who I know has your own mental health stuff. And like some flirtations with other stuff and related to it. And, but like you have also been very present for like my pre recovery (laughs) experience, uh, like personally. People who don't know, we dated for a very long time. And yeah, you were around for me starting certain things. And you've, you've seen me like struggle to quit abusive jobs multiple times both as a partner and as a friend even the same workplace twice um, yeah so like I know I know you to be very like thoughtful and caring about these sort of conversations and I think that the topic of the internet just feels really relevant to your life as well as mine like this is yeah this is like also a conversation with me in it um mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like the internet isn't, like, not a part of how we met. Um, Oh, totally. I feel like, yeah, that's true. We did technically, like, meet in person first, but it's like you found a group I was a part of. We did meet on the internet first. Well, you you were just asking me for the address for a real life thing. Yeah. And I was and I was like, yeah, it's but the internet facilitated that. Yeah. And it's like, what do you have known that Femco would have existed without the internet? What if Femco even existed without the internet? And they're also like, you know, there was some time between when we first met and we started dating that like really the only time I saw you was like online, like on Facebook and Tumblr mostly. And like you asking me on Facebook to if I wanted to be uh, the token tranny in um, vagina monologues, that's not how you worded it. That's how that I is worded how I it. worded it. <laughs> like that was a Facebook message. Yeah. So that was like a pretty long answer. Thanks. Thanks for the intro, Sadie. Thanks. 
But yeah, I, um, to answer your earlier question, I, I'm pretty mentally ill and also pretty online, but like not yeah. really anymore. And I guess that's what we're, what we're talking about in it. <laughs> in it. I mean, yeah. definitely, like, it definitely seems like something, like, like, you're trying to manage. And, like, that's very much, like, the thesis of the show is, like, how the fuck do I manage this? Like, this is, like, an important resource, but it also, like, it can be, like, triggering and stressful and all this stuff. So, and, like, that is the, that's the show is yeah. trying to, like, thread that, like, really complicated needle. So, mm-hmm. cool. Do you feel introduced? Yeah, I feel pretty introduced. I guess, um, okay, so something that I put here was, like, I often think about what my life would be like if I was born before internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be worse. I would just be sad and alone in Ohio, and, like, I wouldn't know yeah. what gay people were. <laughs> For real, though, like... Yeah, I think, well, I think that's a great place to start is this like i wouldn't know what gay people are because like as queer people like i think especially the internet is just like such a resource for us you've definitely heard this story but like the first person i came out to as bisexual was through formspring which is an anonymous not in this question asking app uh, that was like big in maybe like 2009, 2010. And there's this girl, she's now a woman, uh, who I went to summer camp with and like talked to maybe like twice. And she, I like saw online that she was gay. And then I also saw that she had a form of spring. And I struggled with my identity like for a really long time. Like just like, you know, I had reason to believe that I was interested in men. And, but no one really talked to it with my brother's best friend was gay. But I'm not talking to my brother's best friend about being queer like that. I mean, I would now, but it's it's different. Like when you're like a teen and like, whatever, it, it's weird. Um, And like, I had to like, literally go across the country to ask someone like, is it pot like do bisexual people exist? Like that was literally the question. And yeah. the answer was yes. <laughs> Turns out the answer is yes. And then I was like, oh shit. And then like that literally was a turning point where I was like, okay, well, this is my identity now. And yeah, without the internet, it's like, like, when would that have happened for me? How would you take the am I gay quiz online? exactly or like yeah like or like how would i find queer music or like queer media like gay ass web comics like how would i like connect to like my culture how would i even realize that was my culture because like i always say that like like for me being trans specifically is like you know, as soon as I realized you could be trans, like I was trans, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that until I was like 24 years old because like at 24, you know, I had a Tumblr and like, I also knew trans people in real life and I knew trans people on Tumblr and I was like, oh, this is like a thing you can do. And like, as soon as I was like, is this thing I can do? It was just like, yeah. And like, the the world outside of like meat space or whatever you want to call it like they try really hard to make sure that you don't think you can be gay you'll know trans trans people exist but like it will be as like a slur and as a butt of a joke exactly in a a way that acknowledges their existence but is also dehumanizing Mm -hmm. so you're never gonna be like well that's the thing i can do or that's the thing i would want to do and like the internet brings that information to you totally i think um like you were saying like the culture like community aspect is 
a really important part of the internet in terms of like we were talking about like queer stuff but also in terms of mental health and I think like you were mentioning Tumblr is like one early instance of like a mental health community that I have experience with mm-hmm. but then that also brings Same. in like the because there's two sides of the coin where it's like oh here's the internet's really good at meeting like a whole bunch of people who are like you and you could find people like you from all over the world but then it's like well you can also meet people like you with bad opinions yeah and you could also like since you all have these same behaviors you can all enable each other yeah absolutely is a really hard line to like walk because i feel like that's pretty similar and like i mean i don't know (laughs) you probably have experience with like facebook mental health communities as well Mm -hmm. like that's honestly a nightmare i think the main thing i have with the internet is like it is a very good resource both in terms of the wealth of information but also in terms of like we were talking about communities but also it's like how do you find the good shit you know and you have recently like stumbled upon just like you know the weed bombs like your yeah random pocket of like good shit yeah women in recovery who still smoke weed as a part of their recovery yes and yeah like it's why like thinking of that is wild because yeah and like also like you know i was part of like a wrestling community for a while where like i would travel fucking to like new york seattle los angeles and i would have people to hang out with and that was cool and like that's like the same for this like group i found and like it's funny because I really stumbled into that because like I don't use TikTok. I have it occasionally if I'm really bored, I'll look at it. And like I, you know, I like search the recovery tag on TikTok. And Amy, who is now my friend, like had posts about like this group. And I was like, yeah, like, sure, I'll check that out. And then it's like, oh well, this like I now spend like a lot of my life like hanging out with these people online. And yeah, because like certain like 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 the queer stuff is you know sometimes there are key parts of your identity even outside of queer stuff that it's hard to find other people like you in that way in real life Mm -hmm. like marijuana use in recovery is like a really contentious topic and which is why this group exists it's a response to that and yeah like to, to find that in philly like doesn't sound impossible but like unlikely oh totally are you kidding like uh i i believe that there could be you know yeah i believe there could be that but yeah i know what you mean. but like the internet is like such a good like pilot for that mm-hmm. and but yeah like that is the also thing is like how do you find stuff because mm-hmm. exactly like literally i found this just by going through an app that i don't use <laughs> right like so it he is uses tiktok for one day now knows all these adorable moms <laughs> like all, yeah. has all these mom friends <laughs> yes but yeah it's like i don't know like one thing i should have included in my little introduction is like i think really the turning point for me with recovery was doing a dbt group and mm-hmm. i suggest that to people a lot both dbt and just like myself included yeah and any sort of group therapy or support group because you know when you hear somebody who has life experience that either mirrors yours or like you can you have you can relate to them in some way and they talk about like their struggles it's really like impactful and really is and like that advice can really hit hard because it's like oh like you know you get it you get it yeah so so yeah it's like where do you find these things i'm sure like there's probably like mental health discord type you Mm -hmm. know or like but you're right that it's like it's a crapshoot yeah it's because you can find like bpd tumblr exactly or you can find weed moms like right and you don't know until you try and then you know you either have a really weird unhelpful time or Mm -hmm. 
you gain a lot of like support and yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really hard to navigate that. I think it's really hard to like, you know, just meet people on the internet in general. If you're just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. It can be a really good place for support because it's like, there's this endless, like, you know, sea of people, but then it's like, you can't just like tap into that. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. One of my goals for this podcast is I would love to like have a discord and or a Facebook group to kind of curate that sort of community. That's like thoughtful about recovery and all that. And I do want to clarify the BPT Tumblr comment <laughs> real quick is just like, at least in my experience, like what you, you mentioned before that, you know, there can be a lot of enabling and that, like, yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I right. That's, there's a that's lot of people with BPD who I love a lot. It's just wow. That was I really pulled it. Like, I have BPD friends. <laughs> yeah. Um. I have friends with BPD. But what I'm saying is that yeah, like, that's just what I have. You know, uh, there's like, uh, there's a thin line with. between like support. Yes, and there's a thin line between like supportive and enabling. I think especially like with the internet and like regardless of your diagnosis or whatever is like on tumblr or whatever it's like think about like that those communities on like tumblr and now tiktok as like that the age demographic is probably people like 16 to 22 mm-hmm. people who are just coming to terms with their mental health diagnoses maybe like they just became symptomatic the first few years they're overwhelmed they feel really misunderstood. They're tired that people keep telling them to exercise, which is totally fair. And so like there's there, so there's like even like a level of like defensiveness. Like this is like mm-hmm. this is just like what I'm this is just who I am, blah blah blah. Yeah, because people have mental health <laughs> diagnoses, have Ill- mental illnesses, and that is fine, obviously. But there is also some level of responsibility on when you can to learn how to manage it like you'll never cure it but you learn how to manage it and like enabling each other is not the way to do it yeah and that's that one and then one quick point is this is kind of going back to the the queer stuff but queer history has historically been erased Mm -hmm. so to have like a centralized place where you can find like queer history or like the blogs of other people with mental illness or like the TikToks or whatever, like that could be like life-changing. Like representation is both important and not enough. And, but like it is important because it, it could like, it can be being queer, being like having BPD or CPTSD or schizophrenia or even one of the more common things like major depressive disorder, like, it can be super freaking isolating and mm-hmm. like go on TikTok and you see, you just swipe and there's, you just swipe. And then there's a different person who's talking about like their mental illness like that. That could be like pretty life-changing. As something that I thought of one thing about the internet that is good, especially for people who have, you know, like, you know, people who are mentally ill, or other marginalized identities, like, it's dangerous to have certain conversations or to access certain information. And with the internet, it's like, you can be in danger, but it's a more, like, abstract type of danger. Like, you're not going to get, like, stabbed on the internet. Yeah. Like, it's just, like... But uh, you could get harassed and doxxed and right. your nudes leaked or whatever like right like it's it's very cursed but it's not like you're in bodily harm like danger of bodily harm like mm-hmm. so i think that's why you know yeah. some people view it as maybe safe even when it isn't like all the way safe yeah it can be empowering powering but like that also is a double-edged sword because uh, like we were saying, like 
but yeah you can you can have it can empower you to like have oh yeah like we were saying before the recording is that like we both like the internet because both of us sometimes if you only know me through like the podcast this, this is gonna sound crazy to you but both of us definitely like in some social situations have like trouble speaking just the words just don't even come to your brain let alone your freaking mouth and the internet was my place to learn how to communicate and and then that like very quickly evolved into like political conversations and conversations about queerness and mental health and stuff like that and it could be very empowering to have that space to share your story or work things out with other people but the double-edged sword is that the people who hate you are just as empowered especially like when like anonymity is concerned is if people think the internet can become a place where people think like you were saying like where you can't get physically harmed but you can get emotionally harmed and like the people who are maybe like the aggressors in certain situations also know that that they can harass you dox you leak your news or whatever with limited fear of repercussions Uh so it is it gives rise to people who desperately need space but it also gives rise to like shit like kiwi farms that is all about finding like the latest like autistic trans person to laugh at Mm -hmm. i think another kind of double-edged sword type of having to do with like perceived safety like you can get into a comfort level with the internet where you're like okay Mm. i can share you know i can share my most intimate thoughts and it's a safe space to do so to my 800 facebook friends exactly you know yeah, this I is grew up on the classic Sadie dilemma. <laughs> I grew up on, you know, read mores where it's like mm. you just, you know, fling whatever you're thinking out into the void, and it has yeah. the added benefit of for the audience. Uh, read more is on Tumblr, like you can hide stuff under read more. So, like, on like people's like on your blog or on people's feed it'll say read more and you could tag like oh this is about like eating disorders this is about substance use this is about self-harm and people can make the decision to click on it to read your intimate thoughts just for the audience sorry so oh so so yeah so so you have it's like it it has the same benefit as journaling you know where you're getting your thoughts out but Mm -hmm. it has the added benefit of oh this person who i know liked it they saw it they acknowledged my you know my feelings in a really like emotionally easy I guess way yeah like it's it doesn't feel as vulnerable when you're not looking like another person right in the face right and like people can engage with it as they will like rather than like you are like I'm text like I texted you for instance and been like you know I have news I think I might be gay and then what? I have to, then I have to wait wait for you to text back or I have to like work up the card courage to send that to your face. Where like a remore is like, I'm just gonna put that out there. If it doesn't get any responses in an hour, I'll delete it. Mm-hmm. But like it's giving us opportunity to get that feedback in a way that isn't maybe actually low stakes, but feels low stakes. Right. It's all about, you know, how it feels. And that becomes comfortable becomes perhaps how some people have learned to manage feelings or navigate certain things turns into fast forward to today you know shit with like close friend stories or yes. uh, that's you know i don't know what other avenue do people have for that type of thing instagram yeah finsta but yeah it's like you know it's not really to me, I don't think, from like my personal experience, not really sustainable because it's not the same as a... There's still like a level of separation is how Yeah, I... and also, I, I don't know. I feel like it can be like, it's just a really 
like we've kind of fragmented like how we I don't know it's like (laughs) I can't think of that I have a lot of shit I want to say about this but I don't know how to well I guess what I want to say about it is well first of all you know this is how I came out as trans is like I posted a read more I was like I think I think I might be and like does this make sense and then people like told me that of course it made sense and I know that I have had other people have similar experiences where they've posted similar things and I've been like yeah totally and like those people still tell me that like that's like life-changing shit for them but what I was like why I said like depersonalize or like a level uh, separation is I absolutely learned how to talk about my feelings on read mores to this day if I need support I am absolutely way more likely to put, throw something on my close friends like someone please call me or hang out with me than to actually ask someone for help and like that really isn't like that healthy yeah that's what I was gonna say is like I I guess I'm finding it hard to put into words at this moment what is so precisely like unhealthy about it okay I'm just gonna read what I have in my notes right here and see if it. it makes sense afterwards least effort validation of self the downside of that is you aren't in a state where you're as village as vigilant about what is appropriate Mm-hmm. Kind of flinging things into the void can be yes. a really slippery <laughs> can be a really slippery slope of revealing too much intimately or just volume wise, hoping to find a connection without thinking as much about the social consequences. Can be a hard balancing act when social norms already aren't your strong suit. It's easier because of because the immediate danger is averted, but it's still a whole other world of norms to learn. I can't believe you came on my podcast to call me out. <laughs> I mean, I was like... It's extremely I mean, weird. You know this is how I feel about this shit. I do know. And you invited me on to talk about this. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, because you're all you're definitely a person who's like, Sandy, you should just like ask people for help. But like, or like ask people to hang out. Like, don't. Yeah, but I'm guilty of this shit too. And it's part of the reason why I don't really use the internet so much anymore it's because i can't just like use it like a normal person Mm -hmm. and when there's things like this it's you know the best case scenario is that you navigate this harmful world you know not just the internet but like with drugs and shit you navigate this shit so it's a place where it's healthy but if you can't like you might just have to cut it off you know yeah yeah i i this like this brings us to like the the last is yeah like setting boundaries with like the internet Mm -hmm. can be hard is like we are part of a generation the internet existed but definitely not in like the way that we know it now like when we were born Mm -hmm. and but we're also young enough that the internet basically raised us. Oh God, I'm sorry. Tangent. I did put that in my notes. Like, <laughs> we're we're so fucked up. This shit is set up to be addicting, and it's really psychologically messed up. <laughs> As some of the first people to be raised by YouTube poop, aka the YouTube <laughs> poop generation. <laughs> but then I said it's even more cursed today, though, because now it's. <laughs> Now it's pregnant CGI Spider-Man murders Nikki <laughs> or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, so we are the first generation to be raised by the internet. And the thing is, like, that anything that is, like, quote-unquote new territory is, like, no one knows, like, the right way to do it. No one... We were raised by the internet, but, like, our parents, like, didn't necessarily, like, teach us how to use the internet in a way that was say Or, like, they definitely tried to do that, but, like, you know, like, don't talk to strangers. Unrealistic, yes. And, yeah, in a way that portrays or betrays, like, a lack of understanding of online communities. Mm -hmm. And 
um because i feel like some of that was like just like very overly reactionary where like i think with my parents like they really didn't want me having like my space or like anything like that and i think part of that like was like the like the stranger danger thing and mm-hmm. like even recently or like as recently as 2019 i was in los angeles for um a wrestling tournament and no, I was not in the tournament. I don't know why every time I tell someone that I went <laughs> to a wrestling show, they're like, oh, you wrestle? I'm like, no, like, I do not. I hate what would your wrestling name be? Electro Lightning in my, in my, um, oh, God. In my <laughs> I have obviously come up with that before. Yeah, I, I knew you would have so an quickly. answer. Yes. So I went to LA and I hung out with a bunch of people from the internet who, I met like all of them before even like in New York and my dad was like oh like like I was talking to my dad when I was in LA and he and I mentioned that I was hanging out with friends on the internet and she's like he was like you can't like you don't always know who people are on the internet I was (laughs) like well I've met them before and like I hung out with them last night they seem kind of like they are on the internet Mm -hmm. um because I think especially like generations before us like don't understand like such of like the crux of this episode is like finding communities that you that you have trouble finding in real life um mm-hmm. and like don't realize that you can actually have really strong bonds with people you've met online and primarily interact with online so yeah like as like we're raised to use the internet by people who don't understand the internet as we understand it mm-hmm. and thus like can't really teach us how to use the internet in a way that is safe and like the and like the version of the internet that we use so like there is not really any rules or any guidelines you just it is such a meme that we were all 12 years old and like looking at goatsy and execution videos mm-hmm. because like literally there's just like no rules like yeah you just kind of like but yeah and even today it's scary to think about like it's like our childhood, but probably more cursed because people are, you know, know. like, yeah, I have no idea. Like three years old, handed an iPad, and you're like, go crazy, kid. Yeah. Or like, you know, smartphones and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, smartphones and shit. <laughs> I think I'm going to bring up another facet of mental health internet crossover. <laughs> Facebook nudes groups. No. Um, just one. R.I.P. R.I.P. Where was... Oh, I'm just going to bring up another, um, like, intersection of mental health and the internet that we haven't touched on, which is, like, maybe people with, like, attention issues or Mm -hmm. people prone to, like, dissociation or escapism. The internet is a really good enabler for that type of thing. So, like, you know, just scrolling, I've found that even when I try to cut out all of the social media, I will use something in its place rather than just, like, changing my behavior. So it's clearly not, like, the internet, which is the issue, even though the internet is, like... Well, in a sense, the internet's a fidget toy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the internet is so, um, like, engineered for you to be on there all the time. But, like, for instance, even when I got rid of all the social media, I was on freaking, which, I I mean, is Discord considered social media? Yeah. It is. So, okay, I was on off all social media except Discord then because then I was learning what those, you know, screenwriting nerds were up to or or i just go on free cell you know or i i find some random shit to occupy my brain with the least amount of effort rather than just like you know ideally like there was a solid stretch of time where i had deleted everything and i was actually you know reading books like picking up new hobbies i was literally thinking like i would not have the brain space to read this book if i was on 
twitter.com and that's not to say social media bad but I like mean that 100% but again that's like an issue with me because it's like I just want to distract my brain the easiest way possible yeah it's like I mean like a like a thing in like addiction recovery stuff is like and internet addiction does exist is like the problem I mean a lot of times but the problem isn't or the the origin of the problem isn't like the substance Mm -hmm. it is like the pain that you're trying to escape from with the substance and a lot of times but the substance gets like your relationship with the substance gets a life of its own but like the way to like one of the ways to manage that existed like that relate like that addiction is to find like what the fuck like to figure out what that pain is so you can ease it so like if you're feeling like exhausted by capitalism overwhelmed by like climate change and shit like like exhausted by work that is going to lead you to doing mindless stuff or stuff that feels mindless like because mindless is a judgment you could tell i just graduated dbt group (laughs) but like because i think there is some value to that in a mindful like all things in moderation way um but like when the workers are alienated from their labor and also alienated from like their relationships and like and things that should be like the root of joy in their lives and you worked like you're supposed to work eight hours you got like your relief didn't show up and you had to like work like a surprise double or you had to work a few extra hours because it was busy or whatever and you get home and all you can do is microwave a goddamn fucking hot pocket or like order a 40 dollar hot pocket off of doordash and freaking like doom scroll or play Mm -hmm. free cell because like we're just grinded the fuck down and yeah. like when you're ground the fuck down reading some bullshit that's 280 characters is so much easier than reading a book that's 300 pages right when i say least effort you know brain entertainment i don't mean that in a judgment way i yeah I, because I know. yeah it is good when you like you're fucking exhausted and you're like if i open up instagram and i'm following you know all these like uh pages that will make me laugh like i'm gonna open it up and i'm gonna have a good time you know pretty much guaranteed but i mean then again like it it, sometimes it's not yeah i need some dumb shit i'm gonna go to a website about video games (laughs) exactly yeah, I mean, that that's an important thing I think we should say is like the internet for me for a long time and less so now, but maybe not even that's not, that's, maybe that's not even less necessarily true is like the internet has really facilitated self-soothing in me mm-hmm. um, is like the classic thing for me, like when I was upset is to like put on a video by who I would call the video game dads like something that I'm interested in something stupid and funny and like literally you broke out with me but still let me sleep over at your house and I am just like crying watching video game dads in your bedroom like thank you for not sending me home uh, at like 11 at night and no problem but yeah like that for a long time was just like my go-to comfort thing and like even outside of that like i can never go back to it now especially after joe biden's horrific presidency uh parks and rec but like she like parks oh, and rec or, or or buffy like i only know oh god watched... just because i i imagined watching it now with the with the current context that <laughs> That is the worst way I could ever so far. Oh no. <laughs> it's like watching Leslie Nope like jack off to Joe Biden. Like, but yeah, even then, like I am streaming those things. And like 
you know, maybe if I'm having a panic attack and I turn on TV and it's like in the middle of the day and all that's on is like freaking like the price is right in soda operas. Am I like going to even find like that way of comfort? Like when I can oh just, when I could go on YouTube and I can watch the same skateboarding video like eight times in a row and just be like, wow, I love when he skates down the roof of this church. And like, <laughs> I can watch that whenever I want. And like, that is like cool and important mm-hmm. like and important to like have a little rectangle on your phone that like fuck like i am so pissed off at work or whatever i can put on my headphones i go on fucking spotify and i can listen to a podcast that feels like i'm like talking to my friends or put on a mute like a, a song that's like about like how much your boss sucks or whatever and like it's just like you can have you it's just like so much access to things in your phone and you know that is a double-edged sword as fucking i'm like man i should just rename the podcast that and but like that like to have like that's an important like self-soothing tool because like distraction is like a just that's the stress tolerance in dbt and like you literally have a distress tolerance rectangle in your fucking pocket and I also think DBT is important in this context because, like I've said before, you haven't heard this episode yet, but the audience will have, is Marsha Linehan cannot write a good acronym to save her fucking life. <laughs> and you can, like, maybe remember that there is an acronym called PLEASE. There is. You will not look at that and guess what those letters mean. Like, PL is physical illness. But I, <laughs> I can remember that DBT has a skill called please. I can, that is about meeting my basic needs, is a list of what my basic needs are. And I can Google DBT please. I can Google DBT, dear man, hold fast. Like I can. What about halt? Is that Marsha or is that I don't else? think that's Marsha. Because okay. I was going to say, that's a good, that's a good one. So, okay. It's like you cannot like it's a bad they're bad acronyms, like because the the information is good, but right, but you as can't. like memory devices, they're yeah, awful. So they're awful. And but I can they remember sound cool. I can man. Rem- sounds sounds like a sounds like a superman. Yeah, I could Superhero. remember like Marsha's weird acronyms. I can't remember what they mean, but like Google mm-hmm. knows. Google and, like knows. literally like any like dvt worksheet like from the book i can find online for free like easily mm-hmm. like and that is like just like to have all this information at your fingertips mm-hmm. um and also all this misinformation or poor inter- interpretation uh yeah. like there there is a level of like discernment that is like really important in both how you consume and produce on the internet uh that is hard because again we're not taught how to do that. Sort of related, but how do you uh, how do you feel about self-diagnosis, Sadie? Is I it a feel- double-edged sword? <laughs> I have a complicated relationship to it because I think what's interesting, well, so like the good side of the sword um, <laughs> is that like, again, like maybe you don't have therapists and psychologists, especially really inaccessible even like beyond cop Mm -hmm. the cost is like oh i know is insane like the cost is very prohibitive but even if you have the money yeah um, even if you have impossible to find a motherfucker who has actually the tools to diagnose you professionally because sometimes you need that information and you like need to know what's going on with yourself before you can actually get that professional help Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important. I think also it's like what I learned, I think personally is that like, this might sound weird because it's yourself, but you don't actually have the full perspective. Mm-hmm. And I mean, totally like I, I have self-diagnosed myself with social anxiety for like a really long time. I feel like that's a really uncomplicated one to self-diagnose. But the thing is, I think what I've interpreted as my social anxiety is my symptoms of CPTSD. 
And I think it's a small distinction, but I think it's important because it impacts how you see yourself. It impacts how you like manage those symptoms. I was like, I was just looking at like the tip of an iceberg when there really was so much more happening. And I didn't even think to, because I thought I found my answer. Right. And it just stopped there. Yeah. Um, I take back what I said because totally it's like, I mean, I'm kind of, at least personally, like for myself, I'm of the belief that there are several symptoms that, you know, present in varying degrees. And it's like, you could diagnose this as this cluster of symptoms or this very similar cluster of symptoms. Or Yeah, do you have CPTSD or BPD? Like, an amateur person on the internet is not going to, like, be is going to have a hard time figuring out those distinctions Mm -hmm. i feel like i cut you off did you have something to say no yeah like i had this like wild experience where like i like i got a new doctor like my my doctor of a few years was moving to raise a baby with her lesbian wife like which is so upsetting because I really liked her as a doctor, but like, I can't be that mad about it because it's just amazing. (laughs) And so I got a new doctor. I meet her one time and she's like, Sadie, I think you have PTSD. And I was like, what? And like, I, I hilariously enough did that, like had that appointment, did that appointment on the phone at a job that did not give me PTSD, but very extremely exacerbated it. And I like turned to like my supervisor. I was like, this bitch, like, you know what this bitch said I have? And like, they're like PTSD. And I was like, yeah. And like, I went even to my therapist, I was like, my doctor says I have PTSD. And my therapist was like, you didn't know that? But girl, you have complex PTSD. Like, and like I just had no idea, and I think which complex... is crazy to think of. Yeah, like, look I, at me. I, <laughs> I think complex PTSD is. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like a newer, like, diagnosis? It's older than you think. Um, okay. Even if it's not like it's something that people don't really think about. Because um, I know, like Pete Walker, who's like a cptsd guy yeah he's written books about it well like the book that i read uh from surviving to thriving that's from 2013 but this other book that is about it that he wrote is 1995 i think it's older than how old is cptsd uh harvard researcher coined the term complex ptsd in 1988 so it's relatively new but it's also older than both yeah interesting but yeah, it's it's something that I think a I lot think of it's people still not think popularized. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of when it what came out, it yeah, is not in the lexicon in the same way as say social anxiety. What what else what else should we um I don't know, I'm feeling pretty good about that. You got anything else? I don't feel like I have that much else to say. We'll start to wrap up and we'll begin how we'll I'll I always end with gratitudes, which is first where I express my grateful gratitude for you coming on the show. But I'm like really grateful for you because I know you were really anxious about doing this and you are doing it. And I think we had a really good, thoughtful conversation. You're clearly very prepared and I'm like, yeah, I'm grateful for you for being a part of this. And ooh, my gratitude for today is like I'm also grateful like for your friendship I I'm always very grateful that like people always think it's weird to be friends with your exes and when we were becoming friends again like certain people in my life were like oh you're gonna start dating I'm like no I don't think either of us want that like we we tried it twice and it was it was great but like it wasn't it didn't quite work out and but like you know, it's not like you did anything that was like, well, I can't see this person ever again. It's like, well, like, 
there is still like a really good like friendship there and i am very grateful that we were able to do that and like be friends um now for several years after we broke up and i think that's very special and cool and like a lot of people don't get that where they have a really close special relationship and then when one moves to get like a new job or whatever because they got a new job or whatever or some shit like then they're just not friends anymore that doesn't make any freaking sense to me um so i'm grateful that we friendship so nice. are you grateful for anything <laughs> you grateful for anything bitch <laughs> um yes i'm gonna i'm gonna do pod one first mm-hmm. which i am grateful for this pod i'm grateful for you doing it you know, I think it's information that the people need to hear. Including myself. Yeah, including me. Like it's it's just nice to kick back and, and listen to listen to listen to the pals talk about getting their brain more better. Yeah. <laughs> Non-pod related. I'm very grateful for heated blankets. Mm. And for my work having sick leave. Yeah. And we love that. I'm also grateful for our friendship because I don't want to leave you hanging on that. No, I didn't. That's not why I did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't do that just to like set up uh Sadie praise, but thank you. And also I just remembered three other gratitudes of mine. They are Josh. Tina and Abby. Um, yeah, they're great. I, I'm grateful for them too. Those little bitches. The animals you live with. I, yeah, I had a really nice time pet sitting them for like several days over the summer. I'm, I don't think I've seen them since then, which is very sad. But anyway, thanks for coming on the show. For the listener, if there is any. If you want to follow us on Instagram, if you don't already, it's Clown Hospital Pod. And if you want to send me some unhinged emails, it is clownhospitalpod at gmail.com. And with that, we say, I usually say XOXO Trauma Girl, but I now have two guests in a row (laughs) tell me that it sucks. I didn't say it sucks. (laughs) I'm just a hater. Yeah, so to end, we'll say... Fuck the haters. XO, XO, trauma girl, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>